This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome back to the Build a Better Us podcast. The president of Build a Better Us, B.J. Thompson, and licensed therapist John J.P. Parker are about to discuss spiritual, relational, and personal development from a refreshing perspective. Be sure to stay tuned to the end to find out how you can become a part of the BBU Nation. But for now, we hope you enjoyed this conversation with BJ and JP. Hey, everybody, I'm John Parker. And I'm BJ Thompson. And this is the Build a Better Us podcast. Today, we're talking about hashtag life goals. What's happening? Life goals. Life goals. <laughs> life <laughs> got, goals. Get ready for the goals, baby. Bruh, they got squad goals, life goals. You know what I'm saying? Build a better Relationship us. goals. Bruh, all of the above, man. We just trying to help you <laughs> score. You know what I'm saying? They, they out here with goals. We just trying to help you score a goal, which we your life. You know what I mean? People ain't ready for it. They're not ready for it. And you know, sometimes the goal get moved on you and you're not ready for the goal to get moved. So yeah. You're right. Absolutely. We like to give people the personal anecdotes oftentimes, you know what I'm saying? To help the people understand where we're coming from. And with this life goals, it's not necessarily just uh setting a three-year plan, six-month plan, one-year plan, ten-year mm. plan. It's being real intentional about the direction you want your life to go in and whether or not it's based off of authentic you or somebody else's expectations and so on and so forth. I can't give it to you all up front because I want you to keep listening. But, you know, that's the basis of what we got going on. Did you did you want to have any intro thoughts, any opening ideas? No, about this, is, this is great. I, I love the fact that you said the direction of your life. When we say relationship, the idea that you are in relation to someone and it is going in a direction. And I think life goals ultimately revolves around the idea that we're going somewhere. You were sharing before uh, kind of a little pre-show mm-hmm. about a story about uh, a bishop, a little bishop. <laughs> well, <laughs> can, can I get yeah, it? I love, I love, yeah, I just want to make sure that people know, mm-hmm. you know, can hear just from our personal examples, yeah. Um, what are some ways that we have kind of failed to set life goals Yeah, or just allowed the life goal to happen through other people <laughs> in the example that they set? Go ahead, JP. You open up and, and then I'll alley-oop you. Go all ahead. right. All right. Since you were so vulnerable last time about what, <laughs> Rebecca, Mandy, uh, uh, Ricky, what was the girl's name? Who? Which one? <laughs> that just popped up at your house. Um, oh, I don't remember her name, but she oh, popped up at my house. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Here you go. Now okay. you, you plead the fifth. Now you pleading the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> well, since, well, since BJ was so kind enough to to give us insight on 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 dating in 2018, and I'll go ahead and uh, reminisce on my dates uh, uh, when I first began my my walk with the Lord, um, being a follower of the teachings of Jesus oh, Christ. Um, okay, I uh, was a part of an institution in which there was a leader. Um, he had a, a real name. What's so funny, bro? Hold on, hold on. Listen, you were a part of a cult. Just say it. Just say it with your chest. I was a part of a cult. 
<laughs> and they called themselves Christians, and we had a leader, and they made us drink Kool-Aid. Go ahead, bro. Just say you're part of gold, man. Hey, I don't hey, know hey, why. Hey, why is jokes, it so hard for you to say this? These jokes ain't they're not gonna keep beating on my, on my expense. All right. This is not that's not what's gonna happen tonight. All right. If you want vulnerability, I'm gonna need you to just, you know, let me do my thing. All right. It'd be easy. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, take it easy. Go ahead. Go ahead, take uh, it easy. I was a part of an established order of Christians, uh, so so called, um, who had a leader, and he had a name, as I was saying. But instead of calling him by his name, they called him Bishop, <laughs> presumably because he was a bishop, a presiding elder over churches that were underneath his care. Right? Is that is that why people call people bishops? That's right. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Because I was on the fast track of uh, replacing him, but eventually, whenever that that may have happened, uh, I was getting the the moniker, if that's the right term to use, of as little bishop. You know what I'm saying? L I L. Okay. Little bishop, and a part of being little bishop uh, meant that I, in my mind, somehow, some way, I guess, because of the lack of male adult male grooming uh, that had happened in my life. You know, my parents split up when I was 12 or whatever, and so. Uh, not having to live in male um, example, I kind of took to the attention I was getting and felt as if, all right, in order to be little bishop, in order to groom myself and and set my life goals, I would take on him, his personality, and what he decided mm. to do with his life. Um, ah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So as a 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 I don't know when I started wearing jeans again, but one of the things that I decided to do, I was going to stop wearing jeans because Bishop oh. didn't he didn't wear jeans. Why didn't he wear jeans? <laughs> Let uh, me just ask, why did why did he not wear jeans? Was it like uh, for some theological stuff? Like why did he not wear jeans? It wasn't like he was bottomless uh, at all times. It was just the fact that his <laughs> his his pants of choice were not in the 501 blues category. Uh that they were <gasps> Levi's. So I'm thinking it was because he was very old and maybe back in his day uh, jeans weren't a part of everyday fashion. You know what I'm saying? And, and so mm. I'm thinking that, you know, the, you have carpenter jeans, and I'm assuming that he only did carpentry work when wearing jeans. Uh, Got it. So therefore, a part of me being little bishop and setting my trajectory for myself was I started to emulate the things that he did um, mm. as a 75-year-old man uh, when I was 19, 20. 21, 22. And some of those things didn't quite match up. You know, there's a time to be 75 and there's a time to be 19. 20, <laughs> 19 years old. 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, as, a, as we're talking to the people, you know, the idea that life goals should be based on you, the authentic you, um, and making sure that if you are indeed trying to emulate someone, which is not always mm. a bad thing, but at least make sure that the things that you are trying to replicate actually make sense to replicate. Got it. Got so it. basically what, what JP's saying is <laughs> he ended up not being able to wear jeans because uh -huh. he was a part of a cult. And the, <laughs> the leader was 75 and he was 19 years old. And he couldn't reconcile in his mind why he was dressed like a 75-year-old. <laughs> but he wanted to be a little bitch. That was going to uh, officially take over. So that that's so basically that was so that's basically the story. Listen, man. We, listen, we got to get a people alive. That's how Ron is right. That's true. That's true. I man. would say just my Thank example of not having clarity on my life goals. 
came at a time where I had a strong mentoring relationship. I think oftentimes is it revolves around mentors and people you aspire to be like. Mm-hmm. And I had a mentor who was very active in the mission field. And part of what he did was, you know, he would go out on trips across the world, look at maps all the time, but he would wear very loose material like cargo pants. Okay. Right. And okay. I remember, I remember my wife going, <laughs> yo, all you wear is t-shirts and cargo pants. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was because, you know, when you travel abroad and, you know, you need something, you need a, a, a pocket knife or you need some peanut butter crackers or you need, you know, your passport. The uh-huh. cargo pants have several layers of pocket. <laughs> pocket. <laughs> that make it possible for you to find items that are readily acceptable, right? And <laughs> yeah. so what I did in my wardrobe, my wardrobe consisted of um, beige cargo pants, khaki <laughs> cargo pants, fatigue <laughs> cargo pants, black <laughs> cargo pants, and shirts, right? And I remember my wife saying to me one day, she's like, yo, are you going to wear something else different than cargo pants <laughs> out, right? Uh, and it was because I wanted to give my life to being a compelling individual who was involved in significant matters across the world. And so my life goals at that time was to be impactful, right? But again, I was a guy from Dallas, Texas, yeah. grew up with starched jeans. I don't know if you <laughs> are from that region, right? That was when it was starched jeans were very big uh-huh. and you had situations um, where you, wait, you wait. were very fashionable. Wait, wait, wait. I wait. lost my... what. Did, did you also have a crease down the middle of your starch jeans? <laughs> <laughs> why, are you, JP, why are you doing this to me? I did. Listen, this is the part of the Texas culture, right? Was if it from the knee down right, or was it all the it, way like pockets all, all the way, way down? All the oh, pockets all the way down. Oh, shoot. Oh, pockets oh. All the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, all that to say is this. I found myself emulating the the model of example that I saw in somebody I admired. And then when my wife would question me like, hey, all you wear are cargo jeans, my only answer was, hey, babe, you never know when you'll need a pocket knife, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so life goals for me, when I think about it, is like, Sometimes your life goals can be shaped unintendedly by those who you're in proximity to. Mm-hmm. And then that proximity becomes sometimes a attainable and unattainable goal. Talk to us, JP, about the idea of attainable and unattainable life goals through emulation that just happens simply because you're in proximity to people. What have you seen with your clients? Yeah, I, I, I have seen... Probably so. If I just, I'll just do couples. So you will see couples oftentimes trying to replicate the relationship that their parents have. Mm, good. That, Go ahead. That's a yeah. That's a serious life goal malfunction that people don't recognize that that is happening. Say, for instance, you may have one spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, or you know, engaged person whose mother and father pretty much were around each other 24-7 and didn't have any other friends, right? Mm. 
So what happens is more than likely the children of that union think that, oh, when I'm married, it'll just be me and my spouse. And if that spouse introduces friends or other scenarios that don't make it so that it's just them two 24-7, it can cause conflict. Wow. So you have, yeah, you have a relational life goal that's set up in such a way that may not be compatible for the person that you're with based on proximity. You growing up with them um, all your life. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. Listen, if you're not taking notes, make sure you take notes on this. Yes. Yes. You know, similarly, what I see in my coaching in connection with people is the idea of roles, the idea of money. But I think particularly the idea of what does it mean for you to be who you're supposed to be that you just take on with no thought. And so I think about relationships, but I think about marriage as well. And I think about people who assume and assert that things work out a certain way, right? So the wife acts this way, the husband acts this way, Mm -hmm. and then you just assume and you impose that thing upon your maid Mm -hmm. only to realize they're not like your daddy. (laughs) They're not not like your mama. They're not even like your mother, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and then you begin to try to build this relationship based off of what you saw with said example. Mm-hmm. And yet the person that you're with is nothing like said example. And right. so one of the failures that, that we see in terms of life goals is trying to extract what you've seen into a situation that is incompatible for where you are. And so unrealistic life goals to me is when I see people struggling to put what they call it a round, a round peg in a square hole. Right, right. It doesn't fit, right? And so when I see the frustration that occurs from people trying to do so, I go, oh, you don't get it. Mm -hmm. That round peg isn't supposed to go in a square hole. Right. And because you think, oh, this is how it's supposed to work. When you come into conflict with certain relationships, you feel like these re- these differences are irreconcilable, right? Right. Right. All right. That's a strategic word. It's irreconcilable. Why? Because you have imposed the life goals of what right. you've observed in the past into your present, right? Right. And so as I wrestle through life goals and what life goals are, I see that oftentimes part of the difficulty and the challenge happens because we don't know who we are and we haven't taken enough time to investigate what we actually bring to the table. And then we assert upon ourselves whatever we've seen in other people and then attempt to multiply and to mirror and to mimic those things and... They reward us, right? How many times have you seen when you were when you were moving towards being little bishop? <laughs> talk to us about the reward and the consequences of being moving towards little bishop, mm-hmm. or the consequences of not moving towards little bishop. Go ahead. Yeah, in in that environment, consequences, uh, positive. Well, in my mind, positive. I guess you wouldn't call it consequences, but the positive things I was getting uh, from that was the social recognition, right? That, oh man, look at you. You're so great. Your mannerisms, the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you walk, what you do. It's just like Mm. Bishop, man, you know, you're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, Because for some reason, people felt that that was an honor um, to be his understudy, right? 
Wow. I, I didn't necessarily at every point in time think it was a great thing, but because I was getting patted on the back, I was getting attaboys, I was getting, you know, the affirmation that what I was doing was the right thing, um, that gave me the fuel to keep going. Um, wow. On the on the flip side of that, when I wouldn't do certain things, like for instance, I've always been the type of guy like, yo, I'm a outside of the jeans thing, um, I'm not wearing, I'm not, you know, I'm not, <laughs> okay, listen, hey, stop laughing, bro, stop, okay, <laughs> enough, <laughs> you've had enough fun with this, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just laughing, hey, listen, I'm laughing with you, not at you, I'm I can't tell, with I, can't, you. I cannot tell, I'm right laughing now. with you, I'm laughing with you, not at you, go ahead, I'm man, unable, back to the jeans I'm unable thing, to man, discern. listen, listen, go ahead, go ahead, <laughs> I'm just unable you to step aside, the jeans, you step aside the jeans thing. What? What happened? So, the I, I've always had a, uh, a a thing about dress, right, and the way okay. that um, I dress representing me. So I wouldn't. I, I wasn't a suit and tie guy. Uh, I didn't think that at the time. I didn't think that a suit and tie was culturally appropriate for me. I felt like it was something that was put upon me um, as a means of being like the dominant culture. Which at the time, I didn't appreciate. Um, mm. Also, my hair. My hair, to me, was a symbol of my freedom of choice, of me being individual. Um, and so those are two things that he would hone in on uh, all the time and crack on me, you know, in front in the pulpit, in front of other people, in private. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, Bishop would crack on your hair in a pulpit? Yeah, yeah whenever. That, Were I mean, you wearing his jeans? Were you not wearing jeans? Did you have jeans on? <laughs> well, listen, I definitely wasn't wearing jeans in the house of God. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, um, <laughs> uh, no, it was more so like, yo, like it got to the point where I was so adamant against wearing suits and ties that I went and got like mm. a clergy collar, like, like a, like a priest. Collar. No, you didn't get, you didn't get the Anglican joint. Did you? Are you serious, bro? Uh, bro. Like I, I went and got one of those shirts that you put the little white thing in and you look like a priest or whoever. I don't know. Priest only oh. thing I can think of. Or maybe an Anglican pastor, I guess. I don't know. But I, I was a monk or something. I don't know. Whatever the Whoever wears the black shirt that has the short sleeves or the long sleeves, and it's got the little white thing in the middle that you can take in and out, It's that's that's what I was doing. Because um, I wasn't, I refused to wear the suit and tie. And then you come Jeez. in with your hair hairstyle a certain way. I remember when Mohawks was kind of popping in like two, what was it, 2003, four, five, you know what I'm saying? Like the faux hawks. I mean, I guess they're still kind of around. They're still popping. When, There's somebody yeah, rocking yeah. the mohawk right now. Somebody listening right now well, rocking the mohawk. Well, you know, Go ahead. You know, but it wasn't like the, you know, the rocker mohawks, but it's the faux hawk, you know, the cool black dude mohawks. So that was a, you know, a, a sin or something. You couldn't do that. You know what I mean? So you get sent back to the barber, you know, stuff like that. And so when I found myself not complying and not aligning mm. myself uh, with the accepted way of looking and dressing, then I found my role being diminished or my person being diminished or my emotions and feelings being negated. And it ended up being a negative experience for me. And, and it just was, it was, a, it was one of those things. That's why potentially it could have been a CULT just because of the fact that um, when you're not allowed to have your own individual thoughts, blaze your own individual trail, you're labeled as a rebel rouser, you're labeled as a, you know, all these different names to get you back in line. Yeah. And so bottom line, answer your question. Those are some of the positives and negatives. And you can have life goals and when you're trying to emulate others where, yeah, the positives that you get may not necessarily be good for you in the long run. And I think that's what I'm alluding to that the attaboys and the pats on the back were pacifying me and making me feel like I was uh, making moves. But in a sense, it was further enslaving me and keeping me in bondage. 
Man, I think that is a strong point. And I want to I cap you out into this because I think it's very important. You know that you're living someone else's life goals when you decide or you come to a, the awareness that, hey, wow, I desire to be this. And then the more you attempt to be that, the more it's discouraged and punished, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I notice with myself and with clients is when you're living on someone else's life goals is that they're really silent when you discover your own desires. Mm. Mm. They're really um, unaffirming when you discover your own pathway, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and it's troubling because, and I got a, a good friend who was pursuing a career um, because one of his in-laws says, you should be doing this in order to make money. Mm-hmm. And so he started doing it and it was great initially. And he started realizing, yeah. wait, this ain't me. Yeah. And he was getting attaboys, attaboy, attaboy, attaboy. When he discovered that it wasn't him, and he said to his in-law, hey, I feel very uncomfortable about said thing. Mm-hmm. And I desire to do said thing differently. All of a sudden, he got crickets in the relationship. Yeah. All of a yeah. sudden, he wasn't really trying to provide. All of a yeah. sudden, he wasn't, he didn't know what he wanted to do. Right. And so I think part of what we're saying about these life goals is. Sometimes you will find yourself in a situation where those who are giving you the attaboys, the the little bishop, we're so excited for you, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden they become extremely silent or extremely critical about your deviation from the pathway that they set for you, right? If you you got to listen to, if you go back and listen to the relational overstay, one thing that I said before, and, and it's on the further end of it, I said, sometimes caring can be a form of control. Mm, mm-hmm. That people will show a sense of care as a way of nourishing that which they see that they approve of. But the moment you begin to do things that deviate from mm-hmm. what they desire from you, they're very stern, they're very sharp, and they're very sometimes even aggressive in undermining of what you do. And so one mm. of the things that I see in my life is that Part of life goals is one, knowing who needs to stay on this journey and who needs to transition, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That everybody can't stay with you as you pursue your life goals. Everyone yeah. who started with you will not finish with you. Everyone who says they're for you isn't necessarily for you, and you will not know it until you begin to step out. JP, this is one of my examples, okay? I'm going to use this for my audience because I think it's be helpful. There was a moment in my life where I was sitting still and just kind of absorbing my surroundings. And it was really great to just say, I'm just here and I'm absorbing my surroundings. And people would put their hands on me and say, man, you're really valued here or really value you. And there was all sorts of people who were connected to me. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed a direction. So I started walking towards that direction. And I noticed less and less hands on me because I started walking towards the direction. Mm. But then the clearer that direction became for me in my own personal life, yeah, right? Yeah. The more I started running towards those things and I noticed, ouch, there's something on my neck. That was mm. a person. Mm. They were choking me, wow. right? Yeah. The yeah. same hands that supported me in a certain <laughs> season- 
Now yeah. that I'm running in a clear direction in another season, that mm-hmm. same thing that was helpful is now harmful for me, right? Mm. Yeah. But man. I would not have noticed it had I not started to discern the life goals for myself and begin to run in that direction, right? And so I want to encourage those who are listening, who are saying to themselves, man, I want to be this thing, right? You don't know who needs to go with you and who needs to stay and who needs to continue until you get clarity. Mm -hmm. But the more clarity you get on where you need to go, here's what you realize. Some of the relationships that started with you or have been with you are actually dead weight to you as you Mm -hmm. clear where you need to go, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is the most shocking thing is to realize, oh, this is dead weight. Yeah. Right. We were once peers. We were once colleagues. You were once a mentor. Right. Now that I'm running in a different direction or a clear direction for my life, life goals. Yeah. Oh, you're a hindrance. You're yeah. dead weight. Right. Like, I don't know if anybody's tried to run with dead weight. Runners try to get rid of as much of dead weight as they can because yeah. dead weight slows you down. Yeah. Right. There is a such thing as having deadweight relationships around you that don't propel you, that don't inspire you, that discourage you from moving forward. And then you find yourself hindered from those life goals. And so what I would say, and I don't mean to be preachy here because I am a speaker and I am Mm -hmm. a preacher. Y'all make sure y'all check me out. Go book booking, book a speaker at (laughs) buildabetterus.com and we'll connect with you, right? Yeah. What I've noticed over this time of clarity in my direction is that there are a relationship that I've had to transition so that I could pursue my life goals. What do you think, JP, as as you've gained clarity, talk to us about some of the transitions, maybe unexpected transitions you had to make as you understand your own life goals. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, man, there's bro, like it's it's sad that I have so many you know options to choose from. It makes things <laughs> difficult. Like, which is the best fail, the biggest fail, the worst fail? Which you know I'm trying to put a precursor in front of fail. Um, really, it, it in relation to spiritual life goals, spiritual formation, spiritual development, I have had to distance myself from people. Mm who do not have the same faith I have. What do you mean by this? So, so I'm saying it gently in a sense of when I recognize and realize like, oh, the faith you have are shackles. The faith you have isn't freeing. The faith you have isn't joy. It isn't, it isn't mm-hmm. hope. It isn't, it isn't, good for me. Um, And so once I have had to make that decision of, you know what, the faith you have doesn't help me be the man I want to be. It doesn't help me be the father I want to be, the husband I want to be. It doesn't doesn't help me set the life goals I want to set. Um, I now then have to put you in a different category. Now that category may be an acquaintance versus a a good friend. It may be... (sighs) I only talk to you about certain subjects because, you know, when it comes to faith or whatever, you you bring me down. Um, having Ooh. to put people in places and positions where they don't have the effect on my life goals that are negative. 
Um, and wow. the the biggest area has been with my spiritual life, man. I, I'm, I'm at a place mm-hmm. now where I'm like, I want to experience God as my provider, as my healer, as my friend, as my encourager, as my rock, as my shield, as my fortress, um, not mm-hmm. as someone who needs to remind me of how filthy of a sinner I am and that I need to repent on a daily basis, which I do need to do. But there are other ways, like seeing God's love can bring me to repentance. That's seeing right. God's goals for me, seeing his plan for me can lead me That's to right. repentance. I don't, I don't always have to be reminded of how I put Jesus on the cross every time or how I make baby Jesus cry every time I fail. You know, it's... it's Ooh, you sounded real... This is sound like a serious thing. Do we need a good, we might need to do part two of this. So, <laughs> right. so what I'm hearing you say is that the hindrance towards life goals sometimes can come in the form of spiritual nurturing. That yes, your theological assumptions, oh, it absolutely can. Your theological assumptions can create for you obstacles in mm-hmm. your life goals. And we're not saying that the that theology is bad, we're saying that the assumptions about theology are hindering, right? And so I think as we talk about this whole prospect of how do we navigate life goals, we find that life goals have to be based in a sense of self-awareness and not self-consciousness. I'll say that again, that if you're going to create meaningful life goals Meaningful life goals come in the form of self-awareness and not self-consciousness. What's the difference? What does self-consciousness versus self-awareness mean? Self-consciousness is about you measuring yourself against others in their approval. Self-awareness has everything to do with you measuring yourself against what God has made you to be And then your desire to become that, right? And so what we're saying about this whole notion of life goals is that if you want to become very clear about your life goals, it's not necessarily just about mirroring or emulating everything that you see. It's about you realizing, man, these are things that are great about me. And these things are undeniable about me. And the more you come to grips with those things, you invest on those things and you then begin to run a little bit faster. As we wrap up a little bit more, JP, what are some practical tips you would say to help people discover their life goals? Yeah, man. um, I think that, and we may need to do a part two. I'm not putting the pressure on it, but I think- No, 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 no. no. I absolutely think we need to do part two. Go ahead. Okay. So I'll save save a lot of the points. One thing I'll say in wrapping this up um, is that with life goals- when you're susceptible to the thoughts of others, um, when you find mm. yourself making moves and setting goals and trying to move in the direction of your future, but what you're doing, how you do, what you think about yourself, you you allow the thoughts of others and what others think of you, i.e. me being Little Bishop, when those things propel you, <laughs> when those things are, hey, what man, hey. Ser- Don't forget the jeans, bro. Go ahead. All right. When other people have you wearing jeans that you shouldn't be wearing, when you're wearing Saul's armor and your name is David. No, but for real, like when you when you are susceptible to the thoughts of others and those things fuel you and, and those are the things that 
that are trying to set life goals for you, you're, you're, you're setting yourself mm. up for failure. So I think on a practical matter, um, you have to make sure that the voices that you hear when you're thinking through life goals of, are your own. Uh, the, the voices, you know, the, the, it's the Lord's voice. Um, you're clear about um, the direction that you're going in and it's not you trying to live up to somebody else's idea of who you need to be. Good, good. The last thing I'll say as we wrap up is, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to discover your life goals and life purpose because you're just you, you. You've always been you. And so mm-hmm. here's what I would say. You might want to reach out to a coach or a mentor or pursue some type of assessment, right? JP, yeah. where can the people find maybe even a life coach? Uh, there's this magnificent, magnificent. It's so great. I could even say the word right. There's magnificent. this magnificent site, magnificent site uh, called buildabetterus.com. And on there, man, it's it's you can book speakers. Um, you can find a life coach. You can get your life right. You can order books. I mean, there's so many, so many resources available. Because our desire is to help you become a better you. So that we can become a better us. Thank you for tuning in to the Build a Better Us podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts are played. You too can become a part of the BBU Nation today by continuing these discussions on social media. Be sure to go like our Facebook page, Follow us on Twitter at Build a Better Us and on Instagram at BBU Social. To keep up with other exciting events and resources, visit our website at buildabetterus.com. On behalf of the entire BBU team, we'll see you next time on the Build a Better Us podcast.